Welcome to Authorized, a podcast where we usually meticulously read the novelization of any film fortunate enough to have one. On occasion, we are making an exception to our premise and instead watching a movie about a book or books. So crucial is their representation on screen to the continued intellectualism of the public. That, that's my excuse for today, but sometimes we just don't feel like reading a whole book for like an hour of content. Movies are delightful celebrations of loving oneself. They suggest, through their varied characters, that we cannot pick the path our lives take, but that we are all alike in our ability to make the most of where we find ourselves. Whether single, married, divorced, or widowed, a person need not accept their current predicaments, and instead can choose to view today as the first day of the rest of their life. Age, that looming ghoul, cannot be counted in years as clearly as it can be demarcated in vivacious output and zeal for life. Movies show us that any moment can be act one, even those of us who can't tell where act breaks actually are. Movies are also complete mockeries of the values of a book club. While they ostensibly depict book clubs, they do not address the importance of the club to its members at all. Every opportunity that a story about a book club allows, such as depicting character traits through the selection and reaction to certain books, is totally squandered in movies. Movies don't give a damn about books, pure and simple. We are your hosts, a loose coalition of novelization enthusiasts. My name is Andrew Overby. I'm Hannah Blackman. And I'm Andrew Marco. Book Club is a 2018 romantic comedy directed by Bill Holderman. The film follows Diane, Vivian, Sharon, and Carol, who Andrew Overby has not written in the actresses who play them, which I think is almost more important than the characters' names. Tell us, Hannah. (laughs) Okay, in order. Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda... Oh, no, now I've gotten these two women mixed up. But it's Mary Steenburgen and Candace Bergen. <laughs> I, I, I wrote the names of the characters because I was afraid I would forget the names of the characters again. I actually changed all of our Zoom names to the character names. Oh, my I God, you did. Oh, go who I get. Oh, I'm Diane. Diane. That's the best way that could have broken. Well, I love this. I love this. Okay, anyway. So no one has any excuses to forget them for the rest of the episode. But who is who is the question. I'm Diane. Diane is Diane Keaton. I know that right. for certain. Vivian Sharon. is Jane Fonda. I know that for certain. Sharon is Candace Bergen. Okay. And Carol is Mary Steenburgen. Thank you, Andrew Margo. Sharon. He's been labeled Sharon. Congratulations. These four friends, these four beautiful, fantastic older women, have held a single title book club for four decades. Feeling frustrated by the recent books they have read, these friends dive into E.L. James's erotic novel Fifty Shades of Grey and its sequels. Emotionally and sexually reawakened by these twilight tertiary tomes, each woman finds herself reevaluating her needs, desires, and definition of happiness. For some, this opens an express path to fulfillment. Others will need to shed the comfortable straitjacket of complacency in order to become their newest, happiest, most thriving selves. The novelization of Book Club tragically doesn't exist and was published never. So sad. So sad. So sad. Who is Bill Holderman? Here's the thing I really don't know. I tried. I really tried to find out things about the director of this, like, triple A release movie, big deal from a big studio, and I couldn't really find anything. Uh, He's best known for directing Book Club, and he wrote 
A Walk in the Woods, the uh, Bill Bryson book adapted into a Redford movie. Uh, he has basically no online presence, except he has a Twitter account that he hasn't updated since 2019, and pretty much every post he made on Twitter was like, please vote, please vote. And his profile <laughs> picture is the word vote. Aw, Bill. <laughs> he's, a, he's a pretty prolific producer, I will say. He's like got producing credits on like all the David Lowry movies. He's like, he's all over the place. But um, as far as who he is or what his deal is, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> so instead, since this is one of those movies that has such a simple title, it must always be referred to as book club parentheses 2018. Let's talk about what was 2018. <laughs> 2018 was a common year starting on a Monday of the Gregorian calendar. The 2018th year of the Common Era. Are we just reading the Wikipedia page right now? <laughs> just for the first, like, two sentences. Okay. <laughs> 2018 was designated as the third international year of the reef by the International Coral Reef Initiative. I, I looked this up because Wikipedia just leaves it at that. It's like, and of course you know what the Coral Reef Initiative is. Of course, yeah. Yeah, it, and it's like, you would think that if it was the year of the reef, that something good happened reef-wise. But it turns out that just like every 10 years, they go, ah, 2031 is the year of the reef because they're like <laughs> desperately trying to get people to think about reefs. It's um, quite sad. Every year should be year of the reef. Don't let this, like, I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm coming out anti-reef. You know, I'm pro-reef. Don't I used fear to the scuba reefer. dive. I've got one on my door right now. <laughs> I, um, I can't go on that tangent. Okay. 2018 was characterized by many events, and I've decided to categorize them by what I imagine the book club's reaction was. <laughs> First up, the U.S. enters a government shutdown as a result of a dispute over the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Uh, the book club members are not aware to this day that this occurred. I have a feeling you are not pro-book club, ladies, and I'm mad at you already. <laughs> you're, you're completely m mistaken. I, I love them with all my heart but I think this is an accurate representation of their relationship to news. Next up, the wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. The book club was obsessed. Diane, Vivian, and Carol like her very much. Sharon says Markle acts in ways disrespectful to the royal family. She still follows every single piece of news about her. Briefly in 2018, Apple Inc. became the world's first public company to achieve a market capitalization of $1 trillion. Every member of the book club made over $500,000 from this, but none of them is aware. The last thing is just that the book club saw the Happy Time murders in theaters and didn't vote in the midterms. Disagree. <laughs> I saw the Happy Time murders in theaters. You think four older women are going to go see that movie? You're insane, first of okay. all. Two, those women vote. At the very least, Candace Bergen votes. She's a fucking judge. Oh, yeah, she was a judge. I probably should have rewatched Book Club, even though I watched it like two days ago. I will not allow anyone to be hard on women over 60. These are nice women. They're, yeah, they've been through stuff. They've seen stuff. Yeah. Look, I love these women. Please don't take this as, as hate against the book club. They just are, you know, they're a little out of touch, it seems like. I don't know. I disagree. Their choice of book suggests that they are very in with the times and trying to keep up with them and doing their best to uh, stay as young and fresh and vitalized as possible. Yeah, I agree. 
Okay, the last thing I want to do, the last role I want to take on is like the villain of the book club episode. Well, then don't do it, Andrew. (laughs) Okay, we have a guest today we're very excited about. (laughs) Returning to Authorized, uh, a Chicago-based actress and musician currently starring in The Virginian uh, from City Lit Theater and running in Chicago through February 20th a show that I very much enjoyed, and if you're in Chicago, definitely do go see it, and also if you're in Chicago, hit me up if you ever need a retrieving magnet. The Virginian was highly recommended by the Chicago Reader, and also, of course, by Andrew Overby himself. Returning to the podcast, Liz Falstro. Liz, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I just came from one of those shows, uh, our Sunday matinee, so uh, I'm still riding the high of that audience. Uh, They were great. They were wonderful, Uh, and we've just it's only we're only in our second weekend now but it's going really well and it's uh, been a real treat to be back in the theater so is yeah. the uh cliche about the sunday matinee true was it was it a, a more aged audience um yes but uh the usually uh sundays are known for being less um energy and actually this was probably our most energetic audience that we've had this weekend so yeah, very responsive, very much uh, along for the journey and just listening to every word, which was, it's so lovely whenever that happens. So, Absolutely. Great, great and audience. I I meant to ask you this last night when I came to see the show, but is the theater called City Lit because every adaptation is an adaptation of a novel such as your show is? Um, they only do um, adaptations, uh, new new works that are commissioned by them or um or musicals as well uh it's like right there in on their website in their um, mission statement but but yeah uh centrally focused on works of literature and things like that so liz had you encountered the film book club before and how do you feel about it i had not i had not heard of it um i went in blind i just thought oh how funny you know a, a book podcast about a book club but we're not actually reading a book that's pretty funny and and it was amazing i enjoyed it very much i thought all the women were super strong uh well cast and uh the the script was actually for being something that is very much um harkens to the romantic comedies of like the late 90s early 2000s uh had a fresh twist on it of being in sort of um, a more um, seniored part of a lifetime than, you know, typical romantic comedies are. So I really enjoyed it. I'm very excited about this and I'm excited to talk about it and to defend it and, um, fight you if I have to, Andrew, I know where you live. I Um, liked book club. Let's get that out of the way. (laughs) I liked book club for like no reason involving, as I said in the intro, the book club. I just thought it was a, a, a group of extremely, winning protagonists extremely winning and i loved it yeah it's the best hannah blackman you uh have a pre-existing relationship to this movie is that yeah i went to see it in a movie theater i went to go see it at the regal court street in brooklyn which recently closed yep rip and that was the theater i went to when i wanted to have like an interactive experience with the audience you know it was a theater to go to and everyone's hooting and hollering and talking to the movie and i said that's what i want to have with book club you saw book club in 4dx right 
Oh, that was would the interactive they, would part? Playing? I would have if it, <laughs> if it had been available. What would the four DX elements have been? <laughs> oh. You know, every time someone's walking, the seat moves. It sprays <laughs> you with water when she gets in the fountain. <laughs> the four DX, the whole thing, the whole thing. I felt like I was the one standing in front of a green screen. <laughs> <laughs> the green screen in this movie is really bad, I gotta say. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This movie's not trying to be realistic. This movie lives in a world where men are, like, perfect and respectful, so... I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't even notice it. I was so enthralled by these characters <laughs> that th- that didn't matter to me. I was not paying attention to it at all. <laughs> the only time I noticed it is when Diane and Andy Garcia go yes. on their lunch date. Yes. Otherwise, <laughs> uh, real places. They Yeah, that lunch date was literally, like, something out of, like, an Avengers movie. It was <laughs> very unreal. Uh, were you ever taken out of the movie by the intense amounts of product placement? No. Just feels like being alive. That's the world. What got product placed? I'm not even sure. A bumble prominently. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, well. But also there's a point at which uh, Jane Vonda, Vivian, I'm going to know the names this time, uh, <laughs> was going to the airport to find Don Johnson's character, Arthur, I have these written down, uh, and she asked her driver if he was using Waze. You know, I really, like, I never mind product placement because generally that's how you live in the world. Like, I just people talk Jane about Fonda products. Uses Waze. Um, honestly, I, okay. no. My mom uses Waze. Like, you wouldn't believe. I was, I was just going to say Waze is, like, my dad discovered Waze, like, a year and a half ago and hasn't stopped talking about it since he figured out what it was. Like, love you, dad. But, but it's true. Like, every time he's like, oh, are you using Waze? If you're not using Waze, you're not getting there fast <laughs> enough. It's like, okay. Same. Yeah, right. yeah, getting paid. I think slavish devotion to an app just because you put in the time to understand how it works <laughs> is very, like, middle to old age. Um, so, because I think this is probably the, you know, the foundational episode of our podcast, I really think we need to do this book justice. And I, not book, sorry felt like a book because it was so riveting um we need to do this film justice and can we just kind of go character by character and talk about what everyone's doing yeah let's start with uh, our main character i would say diane played by diane keaton amazing an ensemble she's our piece. narrator amazing she's our that's a true. lens yeah that's true she's a lens also uh, she is diane and she is diane i wish they all had their own names Me too. i would have loved that i so would have too her whole career, she sort of played herself, right. so just don't even try at this Love point. It. People having their own names in movies usually doesn't bug me, but when it's this established of a personality, it did make me go like, are we putting zero effort into the names? And it also made me go like, if not, if this is an extremely deliberate choice, to what end? Why have everyone else have different names? It's probably a coincidence. They wrote a script and then they cast Diane Keaton and they're like, well, we imagined Diane, we got Diane. Unfortunate. Oh, that's true. You think that they had her in mind? If you build Maybe. it, they will come. Yeah. <laughs> I read that um, that Keaton and Fonda were like attached from like the, the earliest jump. Mm. That would so. make sense. That does make sense. Bergen and Steenburgen seem more like hires on this. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Diane is uh, in some stage of grief. Her husband has died. In he died a year years. ago. A year. Died a year ago. And her two daughters, one of whom is Alicia Silverstone, are trying to convince her to move because all the book club ladies live in California. And her daughters are trying to convince her to move to Arizona. 
uh, because they think she's feeble and old and depressed and sad. Yeah, her None daughters she suck. She really is. Yeah. Um, they are so terrible to her. She gets on a plane to go visit her daughters. Right. She is sitting next to the dreamiest of dreamboats, Andy Garcia. Right, her, her nephew from The Godfather. Yeah. Well, a thing I really love about this movie is that he is younger than her and he's super into her and it's never a weird thing. It's hot. It's good. I'm in favor. We're here. Doesn't for happen it. enough. We love to see it. It's real. Men like more mature women. It's true. Men in their sixties are always looking for older women. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when they look like Andy Garcia. I mean, whew. Boy, can he get it? I mean, they start talking on the plane. He's charmed by her. She does not want to fly, as I remember. She's afraid of flying. She is a nervous flyer, yes. Which leads to a running joke about plane crashes throughout this movie. <laughs> a joke that made me laugh several times. <laughs> when yeah, when she, they do it at lunch, it's so funny. The lunch one is impeccable. <laughs> it's as good as the backdrop is bad. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she's on the plane. She's she's flirting with Andy Garcia. You know, you, you flirt with someone on a plane, you get off the plane, you're never going to see him again, right? That'd be crazy. But then I guess on the plane ride back, she is called forward to the cockpit under the auspices of what? What's the lie? They got to ask her some questions. Yeah. We got to ask you some questions. This is a classic. Please come to the cockpit. We have some questions for you. Don't don't think about the fact that this is like post 9-11 when, you know, it's not even possible to get into the cockpit. Um, from the outside. Well, I mean, she doesn't <laughs> into the cockpit. He comes out to her. Yeah, right. She's, she's just at like the bathroom the... at the front of the plane, basically. Yeah. Gotcha. Talking to a stewardess who's asking, basically, like, "What's your number? What what days of the week are you free? What do you like to do?" And she's like, "What the hell kind of questions are these?" And then who pops out of the cockpit? It's cute. It's so cute. Garcia. It's so cute. It's so cute. It would should just be the the tagline for the movie. It's all adorable. It's true. I I was going to say, like, every failure that these characters undergo, every moment that's supposed to be darker, a setback, is just like, what a wonderful little part of her journey. (laughs) That's what makes it such a good movie. It's a perfect, cozy movie. Yeah. Andy Garcia pops out and he's like, hello, I'm a pilot. I'm very handsome. I would like to take you to dinner. I love you. You're great. And she's like, me? No, I could never. And he's like, no, I'm not taking that no. I know it's a self-deprecating no. It's not a real no because you don't like me. You just think you're old or whatever. You're not. You're beautiful. You're hot. Let's go out. It's the best. Yeah. We've also walked right over the part of the first flight where... As they're taking off, she like grabs his penis. Yes. <laughs> yes. And she's reading Fifty Shades, so he probably thinks, "Oh, like she's a vibrant young lady reading." And she is. She 50 is. Fifty Shades. Yes. Though on the way back, she makes a point to be reading Moby Dick. I do also like that Diane Keaton is really the one who's like, "This book is ridiculous. This is very silly. Can you believe this?" The the yeah. springboard for them choosing um, Fifty Shades. It made me laugh, which is that the book, like spe- the book, keep forgetting it's not a book. I feel like it's a book I watched. Um, <laughs> the, the the movie is very specific in like not naming but putting down wild. The yes, yes, they are, <laughs> the well, hiking book. There, it's actually it's kind of crazy how much this movie fits the theme of our podcast because they're in a year or months or whatever of reading books that were made into movies whereas we do the opposite on our podcast so wild was the previous book and 50 shades is the next book that they're not doing that intentionally though right 
No, they are. Yeah, they are. They've they chosen know. the theme for the year. Do you not remember the Werner Herzog joke? Come okay. on. Okay, <laughs> I, I missed something very crucial at the beginning of the movie, which is that I did miss that the book club had such a storied past and had been around for so long. 40 years. And yeah. I did you thought... Not remember the photoshopped photos? Obviously, photoshopped I, I, knew, photos. Yeah. I knew they had been friends. I just thought they learned to read like last year. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> but... I did think that they had tried to start a book club late in life, and then they were like, oh, we didn't like Wild, let's read erotic novels. <laughs> They've been reading books for 40 years, and the first book they read was an erotic novel. Oh. I really should have rewatched Book Club. I watched it so <laughs> recently. That's the thing. But this this choice of Fifty Shades is Vivian, the Jane Fonda character's choice. And Vivian seems to be the only one who's sexually awakened in her 70s and 80s because i was she like 82 in this movie jane foster fonda could be 60 i i don't know she She looks fantastic she looks amazing diane keaton and candace bergen like were with their husbands and then either broke up or the husband died and have seemingly had no sexual life since and mary steenburgen seems to have had more of a sexual life with her husband but it has also sort of sputtered out since he retired it, right. Well, don't spoil the twist, Liz. <laughs> That's the big reveal of the movie. <laughs> uh, that he retired is told at the very beginning of the movie. That's true. So. That's true. Um, don't make stuff up about this movie, Andrew. We're going to call you on it every you didn't single read time. <laughs> you didn't read. You didn't watch the first 10 minutes of the film, you Andrew. You didn't read the book. It's insane how we just all think it's a book. I want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> It has the richness, it has the depth, it has the characterization. <laughs> oh, my favorite books. Hmm. <laughs> my favorite books, I'd, I'd have to say Gatsby, Crime and Punishment, Book Club. <laughs> <laughs> this does feel like a story that could easily have been a book first. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. An so, airplane book. Yeah, an airplane book. Like, you get it <laughs> whenever you're in the terminal. You know, yeah, the kind of book you read before you grab Andy Garcia's penis <laughs> on the <board>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He likes it. He likes it. <laughs> What's Diane Keaton's crisis? That's something I, I can't necessarily wrap my head around. I really like the character. I really like that plot, and it, it moves me. But she doesn't seem crazy torn up. Or, like, I could never move on from my husband or anything. In some ways, I feel like her plot in the movie is is quite passive. And it makes me wonder, what's her, like, central conflict? Her conflict is her obligation to her family versus her obligation to herself. Right. So saying, like, for her adult children to be like, yes, I'm your mother. Yes, I loved your father more than anybody. Yes, I want to be near you. When she didn't love their father more than anybody. She wants to have her own life in California with her friends and Andy Garcia now, or whoever she wants to end up with. She's not done living. And I think that's really what it is, is deciding like, what do I owe to my kids versus what do I owe to myself? Yeah, and her kids have already sort of figured out the ending of her story, right? They're like, oh, dad died, so you must just be like on your way out, right? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) live in our basement. Don't even try to get to know her on a human level. Like, they're just like, oh, your mom, dad gone, now mom go gone. Like, (laughs) 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 Uh, yeah, no, it's, but that's her crisis. And I think, too, um, it's this idea of like taking what she wants. And I think I, I agree with you, Andrew, that she does seem like a more passive character um versus her friends who are all very like i mean i feel like carol is also kind of passive a little bit but i mean diane's really the one that has really she's the one that got pregnant on like 
unexpectedly and then just decided, oh, I guess this is my life now. Mm-hmm. It's instead of yeah. like everybody else made the choice of what they're doing. Um, so this is really her first choice, which is sad if you think about it too hard. Yeah, it's definitely a, like a movie about finding, like declaring that you still have a story to go, right? Mm-hmm. At, at a point in your life where, where people are, are just completely unequivocally counting you out. Yeah, it's good for all of these women that none of them have any financial burden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the romantic comedy element. You don't want to have to worry about that stuff. You want to worry about falling in love. Finding, yeah, I mean, falling in love with all, yourself, it's all whatever. It's Nancy Myers adjacent in terms of the, the houses and the design and everything. I feel like we, as a culture, went one way with the romantic comedy, and now we've, like, swung back. So for, in the early 2000s, the, like, indie film scene really romantic romanticizes, like, we're, like, young and we don't have a lot of money, and we're making it work, or we're having, like, romantic dates, you know, on, on a budget or whatever, and it's charming. And now... I mean, not just in comedy. I feel like in in the 2020s, we've totally swung back to, like, we love wealth porn. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't want to have to watch a movie where, like, a woman in her 70s was like, how am I going to pay for my death? Like, I don't want (laughs) to have to engage with that at all. Why did I... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's good. I, I was just saying, well, and it also kind of lends itself to the idea that, like, just because you're older of age doesn't mean your life is over. In fact... You have, you tend to have more resources available to you because you've lived a longer life. You've been saved. You should have been saving, and like, you've you've set yourself up to have more adventures. And if you take care of yourself into your old age, you can still keep being the main character of your movie, right? Like, um, so often I think we just romanticize being young when it's like really not great. It's not all that great. Now. So in the Diane plot. She go, she's she's being wooed by Andy Garcia. She's basically into it. They have that very uh, funny interaction before their date in front of the green screen, where he calls to ask her for the date, <laughs> and and he's like, "Oh, where do you live?" And she's like, "In this state, I live in California." And he's like, "I live in another state." And she's like, "Well, I guess we can't do a first date." And he's like, "No, I'll pick you up tomorrow night." And she's like, "But the distance, though." And he's like but I'll be there. And it's just her basically going, I refuse to acknowledge that I know you're a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, how could that possibly be? And he's like, you'll see me then. <laughs> I mean, like she is looking for any excuse to, to not have it work out, even though she likes him. And I kind of like that. He insists on being like, no, we're going to have a great time together. You like me. I like you. I'm not going to let your insecurity stop us. Cause you're great. That's the thing I really love about almost all the men in this movie is that every single one of them is like, you're wonderful, and I know that, and we're going to have a lovely time, and I love you. It's, like, so fantastical, and it's a dream, and I love it. I can't get enough of it. It's so fantastic to me. I even feel like the men who are, like, initially painted as villains in this movie, not even villains, but, like, the characters we don't like, like Ed Begley Jr., are not, like, bad people. They just aren't the right people for the people they were with. Yeah. I said this on our text thread, but going into this movie only knowing that Diane Keaton was in it is just a (laughs) slew of men, and they were all gifts, and they kept coming. It was like, you know, you're getting, like, Wallace Shawn, like, in, like, like 50 minutes into the movie. (laughs) It was, uh... 
It was, I was a, really a hoping bevy. He'd come back. No, she's going to end up dating Richard Dreyfus, and that's going to be really good for both of them. Uh, we're not there yet, but it's good <laughs> to see like a, a nice Richard Dreyfus again. Yeah, because I feel like he's just pl- like he played Dick Cheney ten years ago. Like that's the phase of his life he's in. So it's nice to see him just like have a nice dinner, you know? Yeah. Short king that he is. In the inevitable sequel to Book Club, how do you think they're going to handle the fact that, like, Diane Keaton and others are just, like, content in their relationships now? I would love to see that movie. It, I think it's happening. It's, like, it's been, like, COVID delayed, but it was at least <laughs> allegedly greenlit. Well, okay, so the book that they were reading in this one was Fifty Shades of Grey, which is very much about a relationship, consensual people doing weird sex stuff. Um, I don't don't mean... I'm sex positive. You're shaming the characters and everyone that enjoys that book. I get it. I'm not shaming Everyone on this podcast has a secret sex room, so... Yeah, that's I've come to the wrong. Mine audience. isn't secret, um, but uh, <laughs> but no, it's like that's kind of the focus, right? The the romantic relationships mm-hmm. becomes the focus then of the movie. So perhaps they read a different book that talks more about like their familial ties and actually addresses like her relationship with her daughter or or all of their relationship with whoever is that. Depend who has been that dependent person on them. Like maybe Jane Fonda had some um, younger friend, like much younger friend, who really looked up to her for a while, and maybe they're estranged and they get back together. You know what I mean? Like it could be something like that, uh, or or about platonic stuff and all that stuff too. And that would be even like a step further into progressiveness in terms of movies that make it through Hollywood. You're so right. The the daughter stuff is like. You know, uh, it's basically them telling Fredo, don't ever go against the family and Godfather won. It's like, uh, <laughs> that's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they'd have to do something. I mean, what the Fifty Shades was such a big cultural moment in the kind of five years leading up to this. What do you think would be the cultural book? since book club if that comes out in 2023 or something oh my year of rest and relaxation (laughs) (laughs) i've never heard of that what is that (sighs) guys okay it was a it's a (laughs) whatever poplet that came out a couple years ago i want to say about a woman Uh who's like um i want to sleep for an entire year so i'm gonna medicate myself so i could do that i haven't read it it sounds super depressing it sounds good but it was like everyone i knew read it and it was like on every bestseller table at every bookshop I went to for like months. It's kind of remarkable that the pandemic didn't produce like one book that everyone read. Like there were all these, everyone watched Tiger King on Netflix and all these other things, but there wasn't like a book that swept the world while we were stuck inside. Well, it, maybe I'm just dead wrong. And I often am <laughs> on this podcast. So like, let's just one more time around the track. Or am I right? Um, but I've always felt that books and music don't have, especially books, like don't have the communal where something just like seizes the culture in the way that like film will do. And when discussing books with people, it so often feels like we'll all love reading and we'll all have read a million books and the conversation will still be 
oh my god, did you read this? It was so good. No. Did you read this? It was so good. No. Like, I feel like the book fandom is so varied and, and it offers so much variety that, like, you can just totally miss each other, even if you're sure ass deep in it, you know? Yeah. It's a different pace. I mean, I... I personally disagree with the music thing, though. I mean, music can be a phenomenon just as easily as a movie, I think. I, d- I, I agree with you. I, I, what I meant, and the, I just totally cr- conflated two thoughts that I've had. What I meant is that music is one of the hardest things to recommend. Because you can't ah, necessarily yeah. be like, oh, you like this grunge band, you'll like this other grunge band. As easily as you can. I feel like with movies, you can be like, you like this thriller, you will like this other thriller. Okay, speaking of Diane... This is making me feel like her plot's extremely straightforward, which is fine. But she goes on the date with Andy Garcia. Are there any other beats to it, or are they just totally happy together She's halfway through the it film? She's hiding from her, her kids. Yeah, and then she runs off from her kids and lies to them, and they think she's been kidnapped and murdered because they don't trust her as an adult. Yeah, she didn't board her flight. She's not answering her Oh, phone. yes. But she yeah. is on a inflatable swan in a pool with Andy Garcia. So Having a hot, awesome time. Fully clothed. Yeah, and they show up and spook her, and it's like <laughs> kind of a very funny encounter. And yet afterwards, she's talking to Andy Garcia, and she's like, this is why it can never work. And it's like, <laughs> I think it's fine. I think yeah. it's mostly fine. This is why no, he's the- so perfect. He's so unbelievably chill. He's so level-headed. He likes that she's a neurotic mess and is like, we can handle this. No problem. Yeah, well, I mean, but all three men in that scene are. The cop is like, we're good. Like, we know where she is. She's <laughs> fine. It's like a McMansion. And then, like, the wh- whoever's husband, or is that both of their husbands? I don't really understand. Do these sisters live together? I think they just live in the same town and spend a lot of time together. So, but one of the husbands is, like, chill in a way that you're like, come on, dude, be a little more. Is it the husband who's, like, a guy I've seen on sitcoms? Probably. Whose husband is it? Uh, I don't I know. It's the pregnant one. It's yeah. Okay, sorry. It's actor Tommy Dewey is who I'm thinking of. I honestly think he's one of those guys who's been a single episode guy on like every show in the world. Oh, and then he had a nice run on the Mindy Project. That's probably what I'm really remembering him Good from. Him. Oh, he plays Stu Pickles on the new Rugrats. Oh, that's oh. cool. That's wow. a gig. That's really cool. Live action Rugrats or get the fuck out. That's what I say. Uh, <laughs> With like real babies? <laughs> yeah, like real babies, real dogs. They're actually doing stunts and stuff. Yeah. Be like baby geniuses, but the Rugrats. Yeah, that's my favorite movie. So yeah. So I, I, I do have some name confusion, which is just standard for me with, with, with the, the groups of people movies. Um, which one is Mary Steenburgen? Carol. Carol. I love this plot. It's my favorite plot in the movie. Tell us about it. Mary Steenburgen is married to Craig T. Nelson, and Craig T. Nelson's sex drive has completely dried up. And it it turns out it kind of sounds like they have like a distant relationship and and not a super sexually active one and then it you know, and then it got worse. But the twist in that plot kind of makes it sound like they had a great robust sex life and then it just fully disappeared. Like at once. I think that is the case. Yeah, that. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Which is like, it, it just surprised me because it wasn't the way I was viewing it. I thought she was being like, I've like lived in a desert for so long and I don't know. I don't know what to do. But it just paints it in a different light. What's actually going on is she's going, I've noticed an 
momentous change in my husband that is also causing me to not have my needs met. Um, so Craig T. Nelson, in a performance I think is terrific, is uh, <laughs> of, is obsessed in his retirement with like restoring a motorcycle that he loves. Right, and it Which is leads to so much sexual innuendo <laughs> every so time funny. he talks about this bike so good it's like i gotta lube up her seed and her, yes like, all these things <laughs> and the innuendo goes goes so far to the point where it's like no longer innuendo because there's a scene where mary steenburgen is trying to seduce him by uh like wearing like her old waitressing outfit and and all this stuff Ugh. and and they're doing innuendos and at one point she goes uh, you know, you could take me for a ride if you want. And instead of missing what she's saying, he goes, nah, maybe some other time. And it's like, wait, so he knows? He knows what <laughs> See, she's saying? See, I don't saying? think he does. I think no. that he is very much like, yeah, we're talking about the motorcycle. I would love to have you on the backseat of my motorcycle. We ride together. Oh. But it's not there yet. The motorcycle is a metaphor. Andrew. No, that I get. That I get. <laughs> I'm not that thick. <laughs> like he's never read a book before. So my biggest question about book club is, why have these completely unrelated things of the motorcycle <laughs> and the sex drought happening side by side they can't inform one another at all <laughs> uh, but the thing i like about that plot is that it's about communication it's about how like saying like oh you should communicate with your spouse is it's things are way more complicated than that and like direct communication is not it doesn't always just like pay off in spades like people make it out to um and the thing I like about that plot is that it resolves in a way that isn't like they fall into bed and make passionate love, even though they probably do after the movie ends. Like, <laughs> it resolves in a way where his his disinterest in, in her sexually is also reflected in his disinterest with their, like, dancing lessons and getting ready for this dance recital and the, i thought it was pretty clever that the movie basically has him redeem himself in that fashion yeah as like a symbol for how he's going to be a better partner mm-hmm. i liked that too yeah i thought it was sweet yeah i mean so their sweet. story is pretty straightforward i'm thinking as you explain it like there's not much beyond that there's a scene where she in another attempt to like awaken him sexually Vivian has given Carol Viagra, some sort of oh, Jesus. ED pill, and she puts in his beer. Yes. <laughs> and so they're driving home because he's like, has like a massive erection. He's like, what the hell? Why'd you do this to me? They get pulled over by a cop. He has to get out of his car. <laughs> I remember that. And she's too. basically like, does this affect your ability to drive? And he's like, no. And she's like, go. <laughs> <laughs> the The... That joke I thought was really, like, not that great until they just carried it on and on and on and on. The point at which um, they're in the kitchen and they're like still arguing about this the the way she drugged him at the restaurant, and they're just still doing he has a giant erection humor. They kind of back away from it for a second because it's like they're having this serious argument. And then he wa- wa- walks away to leave, and his boner knocks into a wall. No. Like, oh, he still has the boner. Even in the serious... I mean, that's a good joke. I agree. Yeah. But even in the serious argument, he is like... It's fully the scene from Anchorman. Like, if you look <laughs> at his pants, he is, like, being, like... 
this is not the way to get through to me. And he like has a giant <laughs> erection. Like it's 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 good. It it totally family guide me. Where I was like, yeah. this is a stupid joke. This is a really stupid joke. And then four minutes into the joke, I was like, now right. it's good because it's still happening. But it's because <laughs> it's because our our fearless director is not like fixating on like the boner in a close up. Mm-hmm. Like right. it's just they're just playing the scene as normal, and he just has a giant erection. Yeah, right. And that's what makes it so fun because that is what happens. And I'll, and to the the suddenness of that for him. Also, I feel like there is like a metaphor there too for her of like you can't control. You can't control your partner's desires for you. It's not just a simple matter of physicality at, at a certain point. If it was and is, you should have a conversation about that instead of essentially, like, drugging him, you know, like, without his permission. It was not it was not very cool of Carol. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, which is, like, there are instances where people can't sexually perform but they're very like emotionally invested and it's like they truly are just having like a physical problem and you can in a relationship if that were to happen you would still see the like will of the person trying to be affectionate Mm -hmm. trying to like be a loving partner otherwise he's he's demonstrating a complete lack of like affection that it's not it's not a physical issue it's not like she's gonna just solve it by by like physically stimulating him and i think it's really perceptive what you said like in doing so in drugging him she's literally being like i want to change an emotional aspect of you i want to change something that's like at least at this moment part of your will you know which is which is not great so in there's a dance recital uh they have been preparing for it for a while uh craig t nelson in his heart of hearts i think was never really into it and um, after this big fight with the Viagra and everything, they go to, you know, dance practice. And the, the instructor's like, I can tell that you do not enjoy sharing this space together. You're doing a terrible job dancing because you're not connecting with one another at all. And um, Craig T. Nelson basically, like, storms off. And, and it ends with uh, Mary Steenburgen going to do the recital by herself and Craig T. Nelson showing up and, and joining her and basically finishing out the piece, um, which, like I said, I just think is, like, the whole plot has basically been about sex. It's obviously about deeper issues with the relationship as well, but it's centered around the issue of sex, and I think it, it was a very touching way to wrap it up, to have it all culminate in this dance recital, because that highlights that, their relationship and their issues, even though their issues are like manifesting in a sexual way, they're more complex and they're, they're, they're about like the emotional component and the partnership component and the being there for each other. Um, and I think it wouldn't have been super satisfying if the plot just ended with, he suddenly wanted to have sex and it was good sex and we're happy now. (laughs) And I want to talk about this metaphor a little bit more too, because um, there were some details about it that really stood out to me because uh, I really enjoyed this particular part of it where he comes in and he, that's how they sort of reconcile everything. Um, but she, when he walked out, she picked new music and she learned a solo tap dance in place of their sexy tango duet thing that they were going to do. Um, yeah, I think it was a tap she had done when she was a child. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was something from a long time ago. And uh, the song is escaping me right now. Um, 
but it was nowhere it, near what a tango needed it's to be. I would do anything for love by Meatloaf. Yeah, that's not the song that she was originally supposed to do it to, though. That's in a, like it starts playing, and she's like, "That's not my music. That's not my music." And then she's like, yeah, "Fuck it, I can like, do it to this anyway." It sounds like a nursery rhyme song or something. It's called like "Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo." Something like it has a title like that. Yeah. So the music is wrong. <laughs> Which is, but she goes on anyway, even though it doesn't match with the music. And then he shows up, and they don't match the music together. And I think that's really sweet too. Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's just more realistic. Their dance and, is bad. Like, yeah. They don't even do oh, a good job. it's so sweet. I would <laughs> applaud it like crazy. Those crazy kids. Yeah. Well, it's funny because the person right before them was like an insane dance number. Right. And they're like, this is the couple so-and-so from... And it's like... She's an anesthesiologist. Or something. Yeah, like... <laughs> what matters is they're doing it together. Right. It's so good. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's just like the, 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 the unity is like so so touching. And, um, and I, I just think it's such a great example of how you don't have to... You don't have to spell out a resolution. No, I was just going to say, I also like how that plot... Like, there's never a point where her friends are like, maybe you should get divorced... Maybe your marriage is over. Like, that's never a question. That's never a problem. She's just like, things are getting a little stale, and I don't know what to do about it because I love him so much. And I want us to have what we've always had, which has been fulfilling and sexy and great. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's a nice a nice element when so often, like, marriage issues are like, are we going to break up? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, I hope you don't. Like, that's not the solution. This is, as a sidebar, what's driving me crazy about the new Sex in the City uh, this Miranda Steve plot is making me insane. But I'm like, you don't, your first conversation shouldn't be, I'm unhappy, let's get divorced. And so I really appreciate that. I mean, I don't know if anybody else is watching that. I don't know what you're talking um, about. No? No? No. Okay. Well, I apologize to you, my two straight male friends, and also to Liz, who's There's not watching There's no apology the necessary. Okay. No, I just it, need like, more um, context. That show has a plot line where Miranda, who's like the stuck-up lawyer character. This is Cynthia Nixon. <laughs> this is Cynthia Nixon, yes. Okay. Um, has been married for a long time to a really wonderful guy. Their relationship has gotten pretty stale. They're not having sex anymore. She meets a new person and is like totally infatuated, kind of can't get over it, is discovering new things about herself, never speaks to her husband about it. The first time she talks to him about it, she's like, I want a divorce. And I am flabbergasted and furious. <laughs> Um, I don't know if if this anyway. season has wrapped up yet, but no, it hasn't. So you're, it's not clear yet whether this is a plot about like reinventing yourself and reclaiming your youth, or whether it's a plot about being extremely misguided. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, if they're trying to pitch this as like a good self discovery plot line, they're doing a terrible job, in my opinion. Everyone I talked to was like, "What is she doing?" But anyway, I I really like it when married couples on TV or in movies are like. We, we're not there's no question if we're gonna stay together we're gonna stay together the question is how we make our relationship stronger and richer and and more fulfilling for both of us that's all yeah, i think he shows up to the dance recital he does the dance she's got to help with that motorcycle <laughs> they're gonna go on rides they're gonna fuck in fields it's gonna be great <laughs> yeah you gotta watch out for you gotta watch out for the pesticide flags that's like the one thing <laughs> Anywho, my favorite plot of the movie, for sure. I think just uh, just two people really bringing, like, a lot of humanity and also just a lot of comedy to that very simple plot. Yeah, I feel like theirs really was a plot versus, like, I'll get to Vivian, but 
Sharon's Sharon's plot was more like a string of bits that kind of like continued. That's what it felt like, and I loved it. Loved every minute of it. Ate up Sharon with a spoon. Um, I thought she was phenomenal uh, as a character and sort of a foil to her friends and being like a little bit more like my sex life is not that and it'll probably never happen again because that's also a really real place to be too Um, and sort of seeing her journey coming out of that and starting to date again and you know being a judge the most famous thing about Bumble especially a few years ago was that people couldn't just message women unsolicited what the fuck is going on in this movie? Uh, it wasn't it's, Bumble exactly. It just looked like Bumble. It like, was Bumble. I, no, I don't, don't think they, it was. I don't think it was. I don't I'm it pretty was. sure it was straight up Bumble. I think it is very funny that this movie is very invested in the concept of online dating and then gets every aspect of online dating wrong. (laughs) Like, that feels so true to a bunch of women in their 70s being like, is it like this? That's what I've heard my kids talking about. And Bill Holderman was like, I guess so. (laughs) Like, it's I'm looking at the clip now. It is Bumble. So she's using it on a computer. It's Bumble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's using Bumble and, you know, the women message first and. I don't know. She must have just been matching with every man and just going, hey. I mean, she's a very appealing woman, so she's certainly matching. No, definitely. Also, like, it's so funny. Her little, like, funny profile picture. Like, of course these, like, nice guys are... She's she's catching the good fish, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not not saying that I don't believe she would match with men. I'm just saying that I don't think the (laughs) software allows for them to just message her first. You gotta embrace the fantasy, Andrew. You're nitpicking. They could pick any other app. That's the thing. (laughs) They could pick any other app and it would make sense. So Sharon, the setup for her story is she was married to Ed Begley Jr. Mm -hmm. They got divorced like 18 years ago. She has had no sex life since then. No dating life. She's focused completely on her career. And she finds out at the beginning of the story that Ed Begley Jr. is in... First she finds out her son is engaged. He's gotten engaged in Hawaii. And her ex-husband is also engaged to someone at least 30 years younger I'd say Mm -hmm. than him and so she's sort of like oh like her friends are encouraging her to get out there and to go on dates and she gets on Bumble and immediately goes on a wonderful charming date with Richard Dreyfus, short king um, (laughs) where he's just like it's just like it's it's cute because they have this like very nice date where they're both kind of nervous but they're like you know helping each other through it and it ends where he's basically like oh I just you know I, I know this isn't going to go any further than tonight could I give you a kiss and you know they kiss and then immediately have sex in her car god bless him which makes her be like okay I am fucking into bumble and just starts like swiping on men all the time sets up her second date with Wallace Shawn and goes from there She's got a type and it's short kings. Given that <laughs> she ends up, it's implied that she ends up going back to, to Dreyfus at the end. It's, it feels like ultimately she took the wrong lesson from that hookup. She like hooked up with that man and she was like, wonderful, I've discovered I love dating. <laughs> and then <laughs> has more problems for the rest of the movie. And then at the end is like, that first date kind of ruled actually. 
Well, she yeah. has that moment of clarity at the engagement party where she's like, oh, what matters is that you find someone who, you know, is good for you, whatever. And I right. think Dreyfus could be that for her. And she's like, you know, I don't need to fuck around. I want to find somebody. Mm. Mm-hmm. And maybe I already did. Yeah, it's true. That's that's a really good point because I think, you know, there there are people that go on the apps for that. And, like, they're, they can be useful for that sort of thing if you're both down or whatever. But, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that's how you have to use it. Like, you can just, if you find somebody, you can find somebody. Um, but I did really, really love her toast at the engagement party. I thought that was a really uh, lovely surprise. They sort of snuck in at the end with her being supportive of her ex-husband and supportive of her son and his happiness and, um, and like, letting them know that she's all right, too. You know what I mean? Like, just because she's not suddenly getting engaged to somebody, you know, t- 10, 20 years younger than her doesn't mean that she's also not having a lovely life and a good time and happy for them um so i thought that was really good a nice little cap let's not forget the most important thing about the dreyfus plot is after they hook up in her back seat she decides she wants to keep dating she goes back to her office at night and (laughs) starts swiping on bumble again and she gets like four matches right away and in a nod to the man she was just hooking up with says I'm going to need a bigger backseat. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> Very sex positive. I do want to say, when I saw this movie in theaters, it was me and, like, four pairs of women in their 60s. Like, friends who went to the movies together. <laughs> and me alone, right? Four book clubs and you. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, Andrew was saying earlier, like, the, there's just, like, surprise on surprise on surprise. Like, every man who shows up is a surprise. When she shows up to this date and the guy turns around and it's Richard Dreyfus, I went, oh, Richard Dreyfus!" And the women sitting in front of me went, isn't he so cute? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and we had a great, like, oh we just, God. like, shared this beautiful moment about oh. <laughs> how he's so cute, even to today. This movie in particular, I know this happens in so many different properties, but this movie in particular has such weird instances of... Why are you referencing that your friend is played by one of the actors in the thing you're referencing? So, like, her making the Jaws joke. It's like, so you know about Jaws? Okay. And then (laughs) also just Jane Fonda, like, obsessing over Fifty Shades of Grey while dating Don Johnson threw me for a loop. Right. (laughs) Amazing. Did you also notice that E.L. James is in this movie? I don't know what she looks like. In the sequence where uh, Craig T. Nelson and Mary Steenburgen are fighting outside about the bicycle, which is not running, their neighbors walk by, and it's E.L. James and her actual husband. Oh, wow. That's, That's amazing. Fun. I love that. So it's good, it's good that she had a sense of humor about this, I guess. I mean, I think they're actually very complimentary towards her book. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, these women really are enjoying these books and are compelled by the story and are getting something out of it in a way that no one I know who's read Fifty Shades of Grey has done. So if I was E.L. James, I would have been like, yay, yes, please, make the movie. Can I be in it? I want to be on set. I love this. Like, yeah, good for her. Good for it. My my mom is, like, obsessed with the Fifty Shades movies. Wow. And every year she she asks me, she's like, have you seen them? And I'm like... No, and she's like, "Oh my God, Elizabeth, you need to watch them." But I love that. I love that. Like this um, generation of women has really 
taken to it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like maybe ours, I feel like our generation is kind of like split about it. Like I have some friends that are like, this book is very good. Like I really <laughs> enjoy this book. And then I have other friends that are like, it's Twilight fan fiction. Like, like what are but we not doing? Good guys? Twilight fan yeah, fiction right. from what I hear. Right. Like, what are we doing everyone? You know? Um, <laughs> I mean, is our generation yeah. or the people younger than us picking up erotic fiction? I'm not saying they're not, but are they? Oh Yeah. I can only speak for me and my friends, you know, but I would say that my peers are not purchasing published erotic fiction, but are certainly reading and engaging with erotic fiction. Sure, sure, okay. You know what I mean? Sort of. You're saying that somebody stripped the cover off of erotic fiction and (laughs) bought it illegally? (laughs) Liz, has your mom seen the Twilight movies? Yeah. Yeah, she's seen those too. Um, you know, I read they don't those. Have sex in them, no. except for that one time. Except for that one time, they really do. It's a <laughs> horror scene. Like it is literally terrifying to watch. If you, it breaks her body. It's oh, not like hot. literally. <laughs> it's not cute. Whew. Not not sex positive. Talk about a not sex positive story being turned into <laughs> one of the most sex positive books <laughs> of of that generation. But like. But I also, I wanted to speak for my friends. Erotic fiction is still a thing. Getting it on like a Kindle or whatever. Um, a lot of my, uh, a lot of my queer friends actually uh, love like, uh, like this. It's almost like a young adult fiction, but it's queer romances, and it's like, it's like very. <laughs> It's like a new kind of erotic. I don't know how to explain it, but it's always like, oh, she sees this girl on the train every morning and creates this relationship in her head and, like, is in love with this person, and then they actually fall in love and, like, do all this stuff. And it's very... It really harkens to, like, those old, like, romance novels that, like, that you'd buy for a dime or whatever back in the 70s, um, which apparently my grandmother was, like, super into. Apparently she had, like, a library of them. Well, the Kindle point is interesting because... if there is still any stigma about reading erotic fiction, which there obviously shouldn't be, but if there is, that, like, increases the anonymity factor a ton. A ton, yeah. yeah. You know, sure. you can have basically mm-hmm. anything on a Kindle, and I'll just assume that you're, like, a scholar. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, you can read anything on your phone. Speaking of... I will uh, the, say, oh. Sorry, no, you, Hannah, you go. No, I was just about to direct back to the film, which mm-hmm. I think could have more sex in it. I'm kind of, it's a kind of a chaste movie. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I mean, like, there's this, there's, we see the aftermath of a couple of sex scenes, but I think we could have more of that. We could have more, like, these people have sex. Good for them. Like, they are not done having sex. Let's see is it. Is it even a couple? Or is it only really Candace Bergen? Isn't there what? There's at least one with Jane Fonda. I thought the whole point of her storyline was that, she has a couple in the very beginning of the movie where oh she's right. post in hook like up. The, I'm sorry. Uh, like Andrew, I've sort of blocked that opening montage out of my head, I guess. The, the photoshops nearly killed me. <laughs> you're right. She is. She has a. So that kind of moves us on to Vivian's storyline. Vivian, the Jane Fonda character, is a very Jane Fonda esque character. Uh, very free spirited, very sex positive. Owns a hotel? Yeah. Correct? Uh, and loves fleeting romances usually with she men don't need in no man 
Yes. She likes sex. But it's, she doesn't need a partner. But 40 years ago, Don Johnson is a, a much younger man fell in love with her they had a raucous night together and he proposed to her with was it a milkshake or an ice cream cone a milkshake very sweet very cute and he comes back into her life sort of not on sort of just out of nowhere he's staying at the hotel and is it a coincidence you think he's stalking her i mean who knows maybe not stalking but like you know trying to do an accidental bump into once does that qualify as stalking kind of a little all right stalking yeah, I think if you found out where she's gonna be it's a little <laughs> bit i don't think that's what's happening and her plot line is about embracing having a partner and sharing your life with someone which is a nice other version of like you can also find love and get married in your 70s that's possible and valid and nice that she has to like let down some of her walls and let someone into her heart it's a nice thought too to be like people meet each other at the wrong times type of thing. They 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 were right for each other, but, you know, she had more living she wanted to do. And that that's... Neither person is at fault in that scenario. Another wonderful guy who, like, knows how to be with her, is totally respectful, is totally, like, just having fun on her level, lets her take her time, is just like, I'll be here when you're ready. Yeah. I never left. I've always loved you. Don't throw pennies off the edge of buildings. It's amazing. <laughs> One of my no, favorite said, jokes in the movie. He says as much in his proposal scene, which all of her friends, when they find out, because every time like she tells her friends what's going on, they're all just like, what, what the hell are you doing? Like, he's perfect. Go for him. Uh, which leads to that amazing sequence where they have to get her ready. That's so good. And, like, throw her into, like, an outfit. And I love how Jane Fonda always looks unbelievably beautiful. But every once in a while, she'll be like, I'm allowed to look like trash for one scene per movie. Yeah. And it's that one where she's, like, disgusting and rumpled. And, like, her face looks horrible. And they, they get her together. And they're good friends. It's just, like, very charming to me that, like, once in a while, Jane Fonda's like, I'm allowed to look bad. But not a lot. Not for long. <laughs> It, it, it takes a lot of work to look that good, and she wants people to know it. And yeah. she also wants to show her range. Right? She's the best. She's going for that Oscar. She's going for the Oscar. Uh, yeah, but though when I was watching that with Collins, my girlfriend, she uh, said that it was unrealistic that she would have been able to look as good as she did with the compact that they gave her for the ride. <laughs> Which I argued maybe in her limo she has some makeup, you know? Yeah. Some to-go stuff. If I had a private driver, I'd keep all sort of stuff in my backseat. Yeah, I mean, he uses Waze. We're, we're using the good shit here. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that the two book club movies we've done so far have basically zero conflict between any members of book club. That they're just like... I'm not saying it's bad. It's just a, a through line that they're both holding up book clubs as instances of like institutions that su- like people support one another in yeah have you not found that to be true in our book club andrew i love our book club and it's true it just goes against i wouldn't make a movie about our book club how about that <laughs> that's maybe what i'm saying no i do really like i i agree with you andrew i do really like in this movie that the women in the book club are just like so supportive of each other and have ha- reached a point in their friendship that, like, they can sit around and have lunch in Jane Fonda's hotel kitchen. Mm-hmm. And, like, Fonda can say, like, yeah, I think you should try and fuck your husband. And everyone's like, oh, my God, you can't say that. And she's like, well, I said it. 
we're friends <laughs> it. take me or leave me like they have such a natural fun like cozy comfy relationship with each other it's great they really are a contemporary golden girls mm. <laughs> i would almost watch 10 book like, club movies i yeah, truly would it's almost down to the type you know jane fonda's the blanche candace bergen's the dorothy i guess mary steenburgen's the rose there's not really a sophia but you know diane king can be sophia she's sort of diane king can do anything yeah she's an oscar <laughs> i know th- about COVID, so don't tell me that but what is it about hollywood now where it's like these series that should have just like an installment every 18 months it's like no matter the genre of the series now there's always like a four-year gap like why why is it and i'm not even just talking about like rom-coms i'm talking about like that most recent like star trek franchise was so obviously should have just been like a plug and chug where it's like oh we just put them out on an adventure for a a year and then we do another one 18 months later or whatever why is it that, that one's now... not a great example because one of their cast members died and they decided we were not going to do it without him is that why yeah. it's part of it really because I, yeah. I i feel like the talk of that fourth movie was like pretty active amidst all the yelkin stuff because they were doing interviews I mean, where they were like we're not going to replace him we're going to like address it within the movie and like all this stuff i guess this sort of analogous thing you have the, the original Trek movies that came out sort of regularly in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Right. And those actors are not... The people who are on Star Trek are not, like, in-demand movie stars. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Chris Pines and the Zoe Saldanas and Zachary Quintos have so many other projects they're committed to. It's the same with James Bond. Mm-hmm. You know, Roger Moore was able to do seven movies in 12 years because it wasn't like Roger Moore was doing that many other movies. Also, like, it whereas takes Daniel so much Craig longer is, to make movies in general these days. Yeah, they, not, they, you can't crank them out in ten months. I mean, it seems like especially it just with post production. But even mm-hmm. you would argue with with romantic comedies or something like that, it wouldn't be as hard to put out a book club every two years because I mean they got to move the green screen from one place to another. But other than that, <laughs> it's not really a demanding shoot. You know, I just don't think book club made enough money. Fair to tell you the truth, it made sixty eight million dollars total. Which is not a lot of money. I mean, that's as much as you've spent on West Side Story tickets. It is, and I hope they make West Side Story too. They are like, did you? Oh, I did see that. I did hear about that, and I don't actually want it. It's what happened. I've missed. What are we talking about? What's happening? Uh, Sequel to West Side Story. You know, Romeo and Juliet, but. Which also they've made sequels to Romeo and Juliet. It's a Which, disaster. It's a mess. It's a mess. Nobody stop. Stop. It, stop. Stop. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. <laughs> Nothing if, good can come. What from if it's that. just? What if it's just like Pocahontas two, where the surviving person dates someone else? That'd be so funny. I think that literally is the only thing it could be. <laughs> right. Like in the same way that like every like Romeo and Juliet two colon now it's called Juliet is about her doing new things and being like I shouldn't have dated that one stupid boy which is so obnoxious and annoying <laughs> West Side Story 2 Colin Maria is certainly going to be her being like I can move on and find new love right, right but love is I not can't. finite or I can't but if movie, but like, if I don't movie know, logic is really. to be believed she's absolutely pregnant <laughs> oh, oh, from their point. one time yeah. no I would hate that too I mean oh. that, that brings us back to the twilight of it all right <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's enough of, like, we did it one time and now I'm pregnant and things. But 
if that's the plot of West Side Story 2, Colin Maria, I, I'll riot. I'll be so angry. <laughs> that wow. girl deserves better. I want to say the reason, just because we're speaking of money, the, the reason that the green screen thing bumped me is because I feel like one of the appeals of a movie like this or like, you know, this is like a, this is, this movie very much reads like a, a, a diet is so, is so derogatory and I don't mean it that way, but it reads like a, um, inspired by Nancy Myers type of thing, right? Yeah. She, yeah. One of the appeals of like a Nancy Myers type movie is you're like, I am going to vicariously experience mega wealth. You know, wealth, yeah. wealth so pervasive that it's treated with absolute casualness. And so I felt a little cheated, like as a viewer, when they go on that date and it's not like a real stunning sunset. That just like bugged me because I was like, I thought the whole deal was that like I was getting treats I don't get in life. What if? They were on a real location, and it just took them, like, six hours to get that scene. By which point, the sunset had departed. <laughs> and the director was like, it, we, we're not doing it again tomorrow. Sure. I'll take it. Still mad. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I looked up where this movie... Because it, it's all beautiful. The actual locations we see are beautiful in this movie. So I looked it up, and it was all filmed in California. So they weren't even willing to drive to Arizona. Good. Let alone find a beautiful sunset and film it. It is a very, like, glossy, dewy, soft focus kind of movie. Like, I get what you mean when you say that it's diet. Like, it's light. It's frothy. It's fun. Mm -hmm. That's its appeal. Yeah. I mean, I feel like not a lot of movies like this are made anymore. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of like I was saying earlier with, like, uh, you know, late 90s, early 2000s rom-coms like The Wedding Planner and like, um, oh gosh, uh, even She's the Man, you know, which is an ad- adaptation. Um, they're just light, frothy things that you can just sort of tune out, but tune into. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, but we need more of that. We It's escapism. I hope you they're know. coming back, and I hope that the J-Lo Owen Wilson rom-com coming out in February is going to be the wave that brings us back <laughs> in a full rom-com. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so 100% excited for that movie. on board and I'm totally definitely going to see in that movie. your camp. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. I'm, a, I'm so hyped. I can't wait. And I miss rom-coms, and I miss, like, yeah. two beautiful people falling in love at any age. <clears throat> yes. That, that, that J-Lo movie is going to work on me so well because whenever I see the trailer and there's that moment where her assistant is like, I think we can pay him off. And she's like, or I could just stay married to him. And the assistant's like, oh, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, she is following her heart. Like my heart like swells during that trailer. <laughs> yes. Oh, the part where she's like, are you asking me to the school dance? And I'm just like, ah, this is going to fucking be gangbusters. That, me. that part is funny because I don't understand the context and it still works on me. It's like, why are they even <laughs> discussing prom? He's a teacher. He's a teacher. Oh, <laughs> oh. Also, I thought that I, movie was I thought that movie was going to take some really strange turn <laughs> to justify that one joke. <laughs> what subject do we think Owen teaches? I think it's math. English. I was going to say English. I'm just I vaguely remember the shots of his classroom and I think there's math. A. B. I think the stuff of like we don't work together. Two plus two doesn't make five. I think is like a, an opportunity. You know what I mean? So maybe he, but maybe so. he teaches 1984 a lot. Maybe that's the two plus two. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yes. I don't know. We'll see. I can't wait. I literally am so excited. <laughs> and I love that they've got like the whole trope of like the crazy best friend who yeah. with Sarah Silverman and it's going to be a great movie. This is really and all just has, a like, plug a for it's Marry Me with J-Lo and Owen Wilson coming out this, <laughs> what, spring? <laughs> February. I think it's a Valentine's Day release. Oh, heck. Which I know what I'm doing. Yes, Valentine's Day. If you're yeah, an I authorized think- listener who's gone back and listened to this episode when we popped off in 2027, this was a movie that came out in 2023 <laughs> or 2022 or whatever. 2022, baby, this year, next month, under a month, we will all be seeing Marry Me and then coming back to discuss it. (laughs) To build up Liz's point about um, escapism, I think, I mean, like, I was saying the thing about money and how the the movies are a way for me to, like, experience comfort that I, I would, I probably never will. But I also think there's, like, an emotional privilege to it because not to minimize the struggles of these women but there is it is a privilege to be in a place where your greatest concern is like am i living my happiest life and your greatest concern concern is not like tied to material struggle uh you know hannah you're talking about how they never discuss divorcing craig t nelson and Mm -hmm. i think that's enviable and that's the sort of thing you know it's comforting to see in a movie is you're like what if i was so happy in life that instead of questioning my convictions i was like how do i wring the most out of them and i i think that's like a form of privilege that's really appealing to experience in a movie I'm glad that we all have a slightly different aspect of the fantasy of this movie that really sings for us. That, like, you have your money thing, and, like, I have all the men are respectful. You know, it's just, like... That makes me sound terrible. No, no, no. It's... (laughs) I like it when men are good and you love money. (laughs) No, but, like, (laughs) you know, there's, like, different elements that are like, well, that's a fun dream that we get to live in for the hour and 50 minutes of this movie. Um... And we all have different things in our life that we like like to see and whatever, and this is one of them. And it's, I don't know, I think it's nice that this movie has given us all a little something. Marco's making a face like, not me. <laughs> Sorry, I was having allergies. <laughs> what are you allergic Sorry. to? My cat. You're allergic <gasps> to your own cat? Yeah, but it only affects me if I rub my eyes and I rub my eyes. Oh, man. I'm just really sad about book club guys. I guess I'm allergic <laughs> to hot wings then. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably a little bit. Yeah. I've made all the wrong allergy choices today. I also had avocado, which I shouldn't eat. You're allergic to avocado? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so sad. Hannah Blackman. Yeah. You are on an airplane. A stewardess asks you to come forward to the cockpit because they need to ask you a few questions. Sounds pretty <laughs> bad. <laughs> you get to the cockpit. The very handsome pilot comes out. A pilot you had a conversation with, and there was a bit of a spark. And he says, I think you know what I'm going to ask. What movie would you recommend to me to watch once I get home? Would you recommend 2018's Book Club? Okay, first of all, thank you for pairing me with Andy Garcia. That is my truest and greatest dream. (laughs) So I just want to put that out there. The dreamiest man I've ever seen in this movie. Oh, my God. 
two, of course I would recommend Book Club. I really, really like this movie. I think it is delightful. It is so fun. It's like a perfect Sunday morning type of movie. Mm-hmm. I think it is respectful and charming and everybody's so cute and their love stories are delightful and everybody has different growth. Like it really is. I know we're all being like a little bit facetious in some ways on this episode, but I genuinely love this movie and I think it's lovely and I would recommend it to pretty much anybody who's like, I'd love to watch a rom-com. I'm like, do you want to watch some older women embrace their truest selves as well? Congrats. I have the perfect movie for you. (laughs) And it never like, treats them like they're old and unhot. It just treats them like they're full, rich human beings. And I don't get enough of that in the world. So yeah, A++ would recommend to pretty much anybody. Even like douchey misogynists should probably sit down and watch Book Club and learn something. Andrew Marco, you are a judge. You are a very successful court judge. You work hard. You are well-respected by your peers and the young men who work under you. They think you're Mm. great. One day... Your friends are like, hey, you deserve a little bit more in your life. Have you mm-hmm. seen any good movies that could maybe inspire your life choices? Have you thought about that, Judge Andrew? Not my best scenario, but I'm going with it. <laughs> I mean, if I am Judge Andrew, it sounds like I'd really relate to the film Book Club. Yeah, uh, would you yes, recommend I, it? <laughs> hell yeah, I'd recommend Book Club. I, I love what we've done with this in Jane Austen Book Club because we just chose them because of our tangential connections to our podcast but in completely different ways they were both really nice treats this is as we've mentioned such a charming movie it's a fun movie i love everyone who's in it i think they all seem like they're having a great time it doesn't seem like a paycheck you know it seems like they actually wanted to make a fun romantic movie and from all we've talked about it's successful both on the surface and deeper and i would certainly recommend people watch it Though my only qualm is that it does not have a character named Grig, <laughs> and I will hold five stars against it. Grig from Jane Austen would fit in with these women, for sure. Oh, absolutely. A million percent. Grig would fit in, in any universe. It's true. Grig would be good in the in the Kelvin Star Trek universe. Liz. Liz. You uh, make your living in hospitality. You once watched a movie. That was so desperate for your love, but you just couldn't connect with it. (laughs) Decades later, that movie comes back into your life. And I don't know, there's just like a little something there. It's nothing new. That's the crazy part. It's the ingredients that were there the first time, you know, the setting, the lighting, the mise-en-scene. But the decades in between then and now have changed your perspective on it. Would you watch book club a movie you already watched you know yeah i would 100 percent. i would um i i love the opportunity for growth especially when it comes to art and like reapproaching it at a different time in your life and rereading it for different things and scanning scanning it for different things um i said reading because again uh, my brain has this is this a, book. a book it's a book <laughs> i gotta give up um, it's a book this this movie, I would recommend this movie. I, I have recommended this new movie uh, already to my mother, and she is going to watch it at some point, even if I have to sit down with her, and I will watch it again with her. You have to watch Fifty Shades, and she'll watch this. That's the trade <laughs> I I guess. What I was going to say is I would recommend this movie because, uh, of, if only for the reason 
that my boyfriend was upstairs. We were dog sitting at a friend's house, and so he was upstairs doing D&D with his friends, and I was downstairs doing my homework, watching the movie for this. And he said multiple times in his D&D session, he just heard the loudest cackle come <laughs> from all the way downstairs. Um, and it's a, it was a pretty big, pretty big place. So if this movie can make me like straight up cackle this way, uh, I want that to be bestowed on other people. Like I, I feel like I know that we're like wrapping up, but I feel like that's something that we've underplayed. What's everyone's like favorite joke in this movie? I mean, the plane crash joke at lunch is a, is a top for me. Yes. Um, think- there was something earlier in the episode I said was my favorite joke in the movie, and now I don't remember. I, what it I was. know what yours is, and I'm stealing it, Hannah. Marco, what what is the Herzog one? I forget. There, it's there's talking about some Werner Herzog documentary. Which one is it? And comparing it to someone's sex life. Hannah, I think you were thinking of the the part where they're kissing on the roof, and oh, she yes. throws a penny off the roof, and Don Johnson goes. Oh my god, you could kill someone like that. And then she just very seductively is like, there's a subroof. It's so good. Yes. Exactly. I love that so much. I love it. I love it. That is also my favorite. Yeah. I think that made me like screech in the movie theater. Like, ah! That's so good! (laughs) Like, I just like it. It's so funny. And it's like, it comes after an entire film of sexual innuendo. And then that one just like she says it like an innuendo but it doesn't make any sense it's just a a little i don't know it's so good liz you got one when sharon's on bumble and she's just like having these conversations with people like the emojis they're using and stuff like that i mean as anybody who's done online dating or apps before will tell you it's so cringy but like just to see this uh, woman of a certain age be cringy on Bumble and like be into it was just so funny. Like I just that would be me. Andrew Overby? Yes, hi. <laughs> you are a very happily married 60-year-old woman. Okay. <laughs> Things with your husband are good, but recently they've been feeling a little bit off kilter. Mm-hmm. You're trying to find things to do together. You try dance lessons. You try motorcycle riding. It's just not quite coming together. And then your husband says to you, hey, maybe you could recommend a movie that we could watch together to share an emotional experience. Would you recommend Book Club for that? I absolutely would recommend <laughs> the 2018 film Book Club. I-, I push back, Hannah, a little bit against the the assertion that we're all being facetious. I, if I thought this, <laughs> If I thought this movie was, you know... If I thought it was thin, or if I thought that it wasn't sort of uh, succeeding on its own terms, I would, I'd trash it, you know? I, I, I'm, okay. I'm the villain of the podcast. Like, it's fine. <laughs> like, I, 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 I mean, I'm not being facetious. I just didn't want to speak for everyone else, because I know there's a level of irony to some of this. I love the word facetious. It's the only word in the English language where all the vowels are in order. I find that really interesting. Oh. But I was not being facetious at all. I really love the movie book club i think it's in some ways light on substance but it's as we've said light on substance in a very intentional way because it is like a nilla wafer of a film and it is meant to give like a moment of ah like what a what a nice what a nice treat for me um and it's meant to be light and it's meant to be fluffy so uh yeah absolutely full-throatedly endorse book club we'll definitely go see like book club everlasting 
And um, <laughs> I, uh, I think it's interesting, too, having done that sisterhood episode, which did not have to do with a book club. The book club theme is kind of uniting all of our bonus episodes in like a, in like a friendship mold. Because even when we're not doing movies about long-distance friendships, the book clubs are about the way in which people who are kith and not kin, like, hold one another up. Which, um, yeah, it's exactly the type of thing that, that warms my heart. So, Andrew, did you ever find that Herzog thing? Yes. <laughs> so, at some point uh, early on, they're like, oh, like... If only Werner Herzog made a movie about my sex life or my vagina or something. And Mary Steenburgen says he did. It's called Cave of Forgotten Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. That's good. What a funny movie. What a funny, fun movie. Liz, what should people do to find who you are and what you do and why you do it? Uh, yeah, you can follow me at Liz Falstro on Instagram and uh, Facebook as well. Uh, LizFalstro.com is my website where I post about my various things in my career. Um, or come and check out uh, City Lips the Virginian happening uh, at Bryn Mawr and Sheridan in Chicago. Um, they're at that old Presbyterian church that's been converted. And uh, yeah, it's a really good Western show. Um, I get to play a the love interest of the main character and uh, a very strong-minded schoolmarm in her own right. Um, so it's a very uh, cool show, and I highly recommend it. Liz, thank you for joining us. You're such a treat. I love having you. <laughs> it's always a blast with y'all. I love our our chats about <laughs> art and literature. I think after many episodes i finally found a good way to end the podcast um so i of course found a great quote about movies about book clubs uh if everyone's interested in hearing that yeah okay great i've seen things you wouldn't believe movies about book clubs on fire off the shoulder of orion i watched movies about book clubs glitter in the dark near the tannhauser gate all those movies about book clubs will be lost in time like Coughs, tears and rain, time to die. <laughs> <laughs>